This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak, and Justin Buck. Hello and welcome in to a special episode of Sound the Foghorn. One of our reaction episodes as Minnesota Wild forward Kevin Fiala has reached a, an extension with the Minnesota Wild for one year, $5.1 million. Uh, more on that in just a minute. Brett Marshall here alongside Zeke Boyatz and Justin Baki. Gentlemen, it's been a week or two now since we've chatted, so as always, good to do a little wellness check. How you doing tonight, my friend Zeke? Um, and I'm doing really good. Just been, uh, you know, enjoying the last couple of weeks. I was up in uh, at my uh, kind of family. One of my uncles has a, like a place on a lake near Duluth, so I was hanging out up there for a weekend, which is nice. And I saw on Twitter I was at Beauty League last night, just by myself, hanging out, watching some hockey. It was nice to be in the cool air. So, yeah, no, I've been uh, been doing really good the last couple of weeks, and just uh, excited to be back here this week. Awesome. And Justin, it sounds like things have been pretty crazy around the Baki household. Yeah, work's been insane, but uh, Miko just finished up his last uh, skating lesson, but got him signed up for uh, hockey for Mini Mites his first year, and uh, I'll be jumping in coaching too, so Coach pretty excited Bucky's about that. Coach got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it does. Maybe <laughs> we'll, he'll be the next Miko in the wild or something in the future, but uh, no, yeah. it's exciting to finally get him in hockey now that he's at the age. Well, that's awesome. We'll expect uh, the weekly scouting report updates on how many goals he scored and all those things uh, as Sounds we get into the season. But, guys, let's talk about Kevin Fiala. Um, it was kind of a, a wild ride all offseason wondering, you know, is Kevin Fiala going to be included in a Jack Eichel deal? Is he going to get re-signed long-term? Is he going to take a short-term deal? Is he going to take a two-year deal and then go to unrestricted free agency? But ultimately, it comes down to a one-year, $5.1 million deal. That's a $2.1 million raise over the $3 million two-year bridge deal he was previously on uh, that he got. I believe that was from the Paul Fenton regime. Um, but Kevin Fiala will be here next season. He'll be here for training camp. And I think ultimately, that's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it was a couple of years ago where he kind of miss training camp and kind of get behind the eight ball. And, and, you know, you see him have that big second half of the season twice, but maybe him getting into camp early and, and being on time, we, he sees a uh, full year production. Not that he hasn't produced, but just, you know, he's always produced better second half. Maybe this will get him to produce better 
all year and earn that that bigger contract coming up in the next off season or hopefully before the next off season. But uh, I think the good news is is he's still an RFA and uh, you know that that shows to me that he wants to be here long term. Hopefully, yeah, I think that's a, a really good point that you made, and I think uh, you know the the big thing is that in uh, Roost article yesterday that Garen has said, and, and everyone seems to have basically known this about him last few years that he seems like a very motivated guy uh seems like you know as i mentioned there he seems like i i think he's the kind of guy who's gonna say you know screw you i'm gonna prove you wrong and uh so and obviously we hope that because you know i'm seeing some people going well if he's good then they're not gonna be able to pay him it's like it's a good thing if you have guys are doing great where they're playing well enough to earn you know long-term eight nine million dollar contracts like that's a you know, a good thing that we've never really had here, even if it's not, you know, as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, no, I think I can see some concern from people who were saying, well, if you could have got him at like four years at like six, then you maybe, you know, if he blows up next year, you have to pay him eight or nine. But I think the fact is you got for even one year, you got pretty good value on 5.1, which is underpaid what he should be. And, uh, and, and like Justin mentioned, he's still an RFA, so they still have team control for the most part. So, uh, it basically just seems like just another. They just want to kick the can down the road another year. Obviously, they're just not convinced yet fully of you know the player that he is. Yeah, and I think it's hard to fault him a little bit because you just look at you know these two areas where Kevin Fiala has exploded. He's you know the back half of kind of a you know the, the COVID season where everyone was coming back you know off off a break and all that, and then there was the huge break, and then there was the playoffs, and then last year you had the Wild playing in a relatively weak division outside kind of the top two powerhouses there. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that production finally translates over an 82-game sample, right? Because we haven't seen Kevin Fiala in a Minnesota Wild uniform in a full 82-game season yet. So I think it's a it, it's it's a good deal for Kevin Fiala. I mean, he gets you know like we said a 2.1 million dollar raise. Of what he got last year, um, he, he puts himself in a situation where I believe that has to be the starting point for his next contract um, at a minimum. So that's a pretty good spot to be in as well. And then, uh, like as you guys alluded to, he gets a chance to prove himself uh, in a full season, hopefully uh, for his sake and for the team's sake with uh, some better line mates than uh, no offense to Ryan Hartman and uh, Marcus Johansson. Some offense to Johansson because he's terrible. Um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe some teammates that can help him kind of re- re- really uh, drive that offense. But also curious to see if, if he maybe takes to heart some of that uh, defensive side and if we see maybe that improve or if we just see uh, the all-offense version of Kevin Fiala, which is still uh, a really damn good player. I wanted to get your guys' reactions and Zeke, you sort of alluded to it, saying the Wild, you know, kind of got a steal on Kevin Fiala. There's been some people out there, and Wild fans are crazy, man. Like, we signed Alex Goligoski to a one-year, $5 million deal, and, like, all the negativity, oh, they overpaid, blah, blah, blah. And now they give Kevin Fiala $5.1 million deal, which you allude to, that's a steal. And yet there are fans out there like, oh, that's like what a slap in the face to Kevin Fiala. Like he agreed to the contract, but like, what, what do you guys make of of those fans that are saying like the Wild are underselling Kevin Fiala and slapping him in the face and and kind of you know th- things in, in in that vein? Well, I mean, first of all, like I can you know you can always to be fair you know you can see maybe himself as has been laid out many times being maybe a little bit disappointed that the team maybe doesn't value him as much when they've you know given out big contract eight years to to Eck and then you know offering a ton of money in eight years. Again, especially when, you know, he's been the overall leading scorer in the last two years combined. And, and, you know, he seemingly thinks that, you know, right or wrong, thinks that he deserves that big of a contract. And you can't really blame him there. 
but I also, I'm not going to get on the team. I mean, you know, people saw the 4 million, uh, their arbitration number. And, you know, like you mentioned, Brett, we're losing their minds saying, oh, you know, we got another, another poll ads in this town and, you know, the, another cheap franchise and all that crap, which, you know, I mean, you know, if they do it again next year, if he has another great year, then fine. But right now they're, they're, they're it's just a negotiation. It's just how he is. Uh, and they were doing that as Russo explained in that Twitter thread where he's getting into it with people. It was to meet in the middle. It was what they were going to get anyways. And, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't know. I, I just don't, I mean, if it's a slap in the face, it, it might be a little bit, I guess, but I, I don't, I, I don't see how that's being cheap at all. I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I got come out a little bit on one of Russo's posts for saying it's baffling how people don't understand the arbitration process. <laughs> It was frustrating because, you know, the team's going to come to low and the, the player's going to come high, and that's how negotiations work, and they meet in the middle. I mean, maybe – I mean, I feel like he may be worth a little more than $5.1 million, but he'll prove yeah. it this season and, and get that bigger contract next next go-around. And, you know, I can kind of see where people are coming from, but at the same time, it's like you, you see what the team's doing too because with Goligoski, he gets the maybe bigger payday this season, and then if things work out, he agreed to sign like a $2 million next year. So there is a big-picture plan with these things too, and we just kind of got to you know be patient and, and see it come to fruition because Trust you know, the process. these guys will – Yeah, yep. exactly. These guys will earn it if they're meant to, and if they're not, then they won't be here, so – and I think the the key thing that Brett mentioned was that he, they agreed to the contract for the arbitration date. So, yeah, that's, like you said, that's just I, I just well, I mean, like you said, there's just people will always be you know look for the, the, the ang- one angle either way. So. Yeah, that was a little weird to me. And then too, if you look at it among the wild forwards, um, he's now prior to the Kaprizov signing the third highest uh, paid wild forward right now, behind only Zuccarello and Eriksson Ek. Which like, hey, that's your you know. Guys, you're right in line with me. I mean, they all have different skill sets. You know, Ek, the two-way player, uh, Zubel, mm-hmm. the playmaker, Fiala, the sniper. So they all bring different things to the table, and there's less than, you know, a million dollars kind of between each of theirs and, you know, uh, whatever it is, 150000 between him and Ek. So on an average annual value basis, he's, like, right there with the, with the top paid forwards on the team anyway. So um, that got overlooked, obviously, too. And then yeah. all of a sudden there are comments flying around about Dumba. Like, this shows why oh, Dumba's no. overpaid. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Just, wild fans, sometimes you just gotta just just don't hit the don't hit the tweet button. Just yeah, save it in the drafts. Um, and well, the one thing I will say with you know that you mentioned throughout the teams, you know his he's obviously not a great defensive player. Just going back to that, and, and I can see why you know they Everson especially obviously seems he seems driving nuts. But you know what? While I get that, like the fact that this team, I'll play go to the other side a little bit. Is that how many times have they had guys who are basically money in the bank for thirty goals every season? Maybe once right now, maybe twice, and and I get you want to be a more complete player, but I just uh, I, I you know I, I like him a lot. I think you know the team obviously just doesn't like him as much as maybe the fans do, and I, I just in general, I, one thing I do get where people go is with teams, in a way trying to change the way a guy plays the game, for the better, especially when they do the most important thing, that is scoring goals. And I think a comparison in a way it's gone off a little bit, but. Is you know obviously Patrick Line is a great goal scorer, but he basically does nothing else and is good at almost nothing else on the ice. Therefore, you have in Columbus them trying to turn him into a power forward when that is not what he is there to do. 
So I can see, agreeing with people who are, you know, a little frustrated with the wild hand with Fiala, I can see that from the standpoint of, well, you know, he scores a bunch of goals, which you desperately need. He can carry the puck in the offensive zone like no one else in his team. So I, I that's the one kind of complaint that I do have where I, I don't maybe 100% understand why they, they seem to be so bullish on him because they, they don't really have much on the team. But, I, I yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't. I just don't really think, I guess, agree with them when they're, you know, I don't know. I, yeah, I was kind of a rant. It's weird, right. isn't it? Because you look at, you know, a division rival in Chicago who has Patrick Kane, mm-hmm. who notoriously his whole career really hasn't played very good defense, but he's fucking yeah. torched us like every single year, yeah. every time we play him. It doesn't matter that his defense sucks because he's putting, you know, he's putting up three points a night against us because he's yeah. the pucks in the offensive zone the whole game. <laughs> And the underlying numbers show that's more or less the case when Kevin Fiala is on the ice. Um, and I think we talked about this when we did our player review earlier in the year, too, is he let all wild forwards and takeaways as well. So, like, while he does give the puck away quite a bit, he is a lot of the times the guy that's, you know, getting the puck back, too. So, um, I you know, there, there, are, there are micro stats that maybe don't, you know, turn in the totality of good defensive numbers, but it's not like Kevin Fiala just, you know, when the when the puck is on the you know the defensive side of the red line, that all of a sudden like the Wild are playing shorthanded because I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I totally get what you're saying, Zeke. But I also do. You also do want to see him improve in areas. But you know he he does a lot of things elite that a lot of players in our franchise have ever really done. And you know he comes up big in a lot of big spots. And he's very, I guess you could say, elite at at carrying the puck and making his own entries. So I mean he does have things that that really good tools you, you know you just you want to see him improve continually improve but you want all our players to do that and i think i think we mentioned him did but just put even better line mates around him like brett mentioned earlier and he's even going to explode even more so you know he can always put players around him that maybe make up for his deficiencies in other areas yep. yeah i think that's a key justin you alluded to line mates so let's Let's have each of you put your coaching hat on. If if you were Dean Evason and you were constructing the lines today, who would you put on a line with Kevin Fiala? And w- would you play Kevin on the left wing or the right wing? And then also, let's assume he's on the first power play unit. What does that first power play unit look like for you? I'll give you a minute to, to think a little bit. but I do know the other wing I want with him, but I got to think of center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. Well, you guys think we'll talk quickly about a little yeah. another tiny little tidbit of news um, that came out today. The Wild did sign another player today, uh, AHLer Mason Shaw, um, who's just kind of a, a nose down, hard working, working forward. He got a two uh, two year, two way extension, um, one point five million dollar total, seven hundred fifty k cap hit. So. Um, probably not a guy that really sees NHL time this year, but I think looking into the future, just 22 years old, can play center. You know, could be a guy that you know when they do need those ELCs to kind of fill some holes that uh, could be up um, on the big club, uh, maybe next year, the year after. But uh, a nice little uh, minor league depth signing there. As I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Mason Shaw. I like him. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Isn't he towards the ACL twice? Yeah, yeah I was gonna say he's had really bad injuries. luck with injuries. Yeah. Yeah, no, because I remember him when he was drafted there. I mean, he was in the WHL, was, you know, a great playmaker, putting up a lot of points. There are some people who were, you know, thought he could be a decent little player. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess how I look at it is if they're, you know, if they're giving him a two-year extension that they, uh, you know, even after all the stuff he's dealt with, that they at least think there's he has a chance to 
be a player of some kind. So, which is, you know, which is great for him after, you know, obviously all the stuff he's had to deal with. For sure. All right. Do you guys have your, uh, have your line? I think so. All right, Justin, mm-hmm. we'll go to you first. You know, I, with what we have, just thinking back to, you know, he's played in the Nashville system. So, you know, he played with this guy, I think, in Milwaukee, maybe a little bit in Nashville. But I, I think I'd like to try, you know, maybe Goudreau at center and, and a Baldy on the other wing, on the other side of him. All right, I like that. Zeke, what about you? Yeah, well... I don't know. I think mine was going to be the exact same, kind of fairly kind of piggybacking off of what Bruce has been writing about uh, in like the last two months, and just as you guys mentioned, the, the pure lack of you know center options, where there's not really you know after after it's not really much that really separates them. I think uh, you know, and uh, I mean like Justin said, uh, you know, I don't. I guess I don't really know what to expect out of Goudreau. With everyone seems like said he could be a decent bottom six guy, and, and obviously Everson seems to think seems to want to give him that chance up there. So if they don't, you know, if Rossi's on the team or anyone else makes, obviously someone's going to have to be there. So, and I agree with Justin reasons why he's probably the best option. And then, you know, after that, uh, you know, I was trying to, I was saying, I, th- I just, I think like you mentioned, Justin, Boldy's the best option. Uh, he's younger, he's more skilled, but I, again, I don't, I think I've, I just take the, the, the approach of to this, that nobody can really be worse as Brett mentioned than Marcus <laughs> Johansson. So even if it's not a major improvement, which people would have maybe liked to see, you know, maybe there's at least some room for growth there and a little bit more unknown, which leaves some more potential there for, you know, to be better. For sure. Yeah, I'm definitely right there with you guys on Boldy. I think we've been preaching this since basically they drafted Boldy that someday he'd be a great fit with Kevin Fiala. I just think you look at the way that Matt Boldy is able to play, you know, on the forecheck. He's a hard guy below the goal line. He's got great vision. He's a type of guy that, you know, I think can kind of be the playmaking power forward type to get Kevin Fiala the puck, to go to those dirty areas, to find Kevin Fiala in those soft spots like we found him, or like, like Boldy would find guys like Caulfield and Zegris during the, the World Juniors and how we found guys mm-hmm. like Newhook uh, at Boston College. I think that's a great role for him. Um, at, at center, I, I'm going to be a little bit different. I still want to see him with Eck. Um, we have some small sample data on when those two are together and they're electric. And we, we talked earlier in the show about you know finding someone to pair with with Fiala that kind of lets him be all offense that can kind of make up for the defense. We know Jewel Eriks next, the penultimate two-way center, you know, fourth in Selkie voting last year. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that can play at both ends of the ice. His game doesn't change with his line mates. So I would maybe like to see that as a start, but I also think Freddie Goudreau makes a ton of sense with, you know, some pass chemistry. He does have the speed, I think, that, you know, guys like Victor Rask and Ryan Hart maybe lacked a little bit. Um, you know, someone that can kind of push the pace with him up the ice, maybe make that line more of a threat off the rush if they don't maybe want to go as much on the forecheck. Um, and frick it, why not? Let you know if things start to you know don't work up front. Let's put them with Kaprizov. Let's let's stack a line and see what happens. Why not mm-hmm. try some stuff? So yeah, well, I mean, uh, Russo mentioned in a podcast last week that he thinks that could be a possibility they try at some point. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to to see. But uh, yeah, it it's just uh, yeah, I still uh, I still hope that they maybe at some point maybe this season do investigate improving down the middle in some way. I don't know if that's going to happen, yeah. but I. I just, I still look at it. I'm going, eh, how do you? No, no offense to any of those guys that we mentioned, but I, I don't know. I just still, I still don't see how you're going to beat some of the other teams in your division specifically with that group. But we'll, we'll see. I got to give them a chance. So. Yeah, I, I really do think that 
that this group wants to kind of see what they have in Rossi. And I think that might have been part of the reason they didn't go out and get this huge name. Because I think they really do want to see what they have in Marco Rossi. And, and again, I don't think he's going to be a guy that will be on the starting lineup on night one. Um, I don't think he'll be long in the AHL. I think, as we've mentioned before, maybe you know three weeks to two months, maybe kind of in that range just to, to, to get his game legs back on him, get that competition back up. But um, it sounds like Rossi's going to be playing in the Olympic qualifiers for Austria. Um, Zuccarello as well with um, Norway. So, you know, that will be nice to have him have some game action and then come into camp having the whole uh, Olympic trial training camp, having that, you know, little mini tournament and then coming into camp. So I think that bodes well for Rossi and him making the team sooner rather than later if everything goes well. Um, Dad says that uh, he looks even more in shape and condition than before, which I absolutely believe. So I that that could be a solution when that happens i think is yet to be seen but um if all of a sudden you're looking at Eck, rossi you know goodrow and then Sturmer, rask as kind of your 4c all of a sudden you look a little bit better so i think that's a possibility down the road if they can kind of grind it out for that first month month and a half i think they'll be all right okay. i think rossi might have a uh, i might be wrong but I, he might have a chance to make it right out of the gate i mean he absolutely could i think with you know, it's a small sample size, but just seeing his training and getting these games and like you mentioned with the Olympics, I know he hasn't played in like a, a year and a half like that, but I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. And I mean, if he, if you did do that and he, and he felt like he was ready, but he shows for two or three weeks after that he's not, then you can just yeah. send him down for like two weeks after that. Like he's a 19 year old. Like you don't, you don't have to rush it either way or you don't have to delay it too long. So it's a, uh, because I mean, like you guys mentioned, uh, you, you never you don't want to doubt him pretty much at all. But uh, it uh, that that is uh, I think that's those kind of guys are like their X factor this year of you know kind of determining where their ceiling is. is the next couple of years, especially, is it do they, you know, how soon are they on the team, and also how soon are they you know actual impact players? Which you know again you don't I I I kind of am with Bill Guerin a little bit in the not wanting to rush, you know, and make the twenty year old like the depending of your team because. Obviously, that's just not a great position for anybody. But uh, I, I'm with you guys, and that if he shows you ready, there's nothing gonna not gonna hurt anybody to give him a few games just to see. Yeah, sometimes I forget he's 19 years old. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. It feels. It seems like he's been in the system forever already. But the way it'll the way it'll be worth it, regardless of of whenever that debut and and permanent roster spot comes. So. Because we have to, we will touch on uh, number 97 here really quick here before we wrap up. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, from the sounds of it, it sounds like there may finally be some headway in the long stalemate. Uh, F you, Paul Theophanis, for being a stick in the mud, but also good for you for being a good agent and sticking your neck out for your client. Um, I will give you props in that sense. Doesn't mean I have to like you for it. Um, but it sounds like there could be some headway uh, per the great Michael Russo, which is always a, a good sign. He did uh, tweet out in a reply to a fan, um, that he expects something around the five by nine million range, and as we discuss all the time, where there's smoke with Russo, there's usually fire. So, um, a five-year term, I think, is something we've always kind of thought would happen. I think nine million is maybe a little bit more than we expected, but given the way things are going at this point, um, we'll just be happy to get it done, regardless if it's at uh, nine million, seven million, ten million, whatever it ends up being. Yeah, I think with that kind of both sides get what they want. The Wild get the maybe midterm. They want long-term, but they'll get the midterm, and Caprizov might get the, the money that he wanted. So uh, another good thing about the 5 by 9 is it, it gives us, you know, we'll be out of the, once that ends, the Parisi-Suter big cap hits will be gone. 
we don't lock him straight to free agency after three years. And it also gives us and Bill Guerin, not us, like Bill Guerin, a chance to build around him and prove to him that he can kind of build that contender. And, and maybe once the cap hits, big cap, cap hits are gone we and we're good enough, he signs a bigger contract that he wants. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, as long, I, you know, I think, as like we've mentioned before, any, as long as it's not three years or less, you know, it, yeah, you have to consider it at least a minor win. And I think you, you said five would be a really pretty damn good job by the team if they got him under contract five years, considering, you know, what we've heard is that they wanted even more money, even on a three-year deal, and they wanted even more than that if they were going to go four or five, which is insane to me that the, but I'm with Brett at this point. I don't really care about the money. You know, the only issue you could run to there is then regardless of his performance, next contract, then they'll go off of that saying, okay, you got 10.2. I'm worth this regardless, you know, regardless of what happens. So I see that, but I think, you know, like you mentioned, Justin, if five gives them, buys them time to build up the rest of the team, because he obviously is the guy they want to build around and should build around. And uh, yeah, no, I just, uh, it's it is funny that uh, you know we said for like two or three months now people to not you know lose their crap you know every week or two when he leaks this to some media member on Twitter like you see it's you just this is just this is just what was going to happen you can look history and and all sorts of Russian players even with this agent specifically and you you know this is going to happen uh, you know I I will say I did have just a quick mention I did have an article last week in Hockey World and I saw get my thoughts on this but. I can I can see some people being frustrated with him from the fact of yes it is his agent and, and yes we're all irritated with him but you know he does he works for him and he is responsible for for you know making sure that that's all going good but you know I just uh, like I said I just hope it just gets done before training camp here and that he's here and you know if it is then we all pretty much forget about any of this that ever happened if he's back scoring a bunch of goals and you and know, I shun all of you who doubted Bill Guerin. It will happen. I will shun all yep. of you. I'm, I'm just as as confident now in him signing this contract as I was before he signed his first contract when I was freaking out if he was actually even going to come from the KHL. So mm-hmm. stay optimistic, folks. It's going to happen. Yeah, and the and other thing were- I will say, too, regarding the term is that I think I've maybe mentioned this before either on here or on Twitter is that you know, the average star player, they're usually in their prime from about 24 to 29, 30. A five-year extension would lock up Kirill Kaprizov in a Minnesota Wild uniform from ages 24 to 29. So buying the prime years of Kirill Kaprizov, or even if it's 9 or 10 million, uh, pretty damn good uh, in my eyes. Um, and even if he doesn't stick around after that, I think I think we will see the best of Kirill Kaprizov these next five years. And would it be great to have him beyond that? Absolutely. I mean, he's probably a guy that'll be good until he's, you know, 33, 34, 35. And if the Wild want to put a five, six-year tag on that afterward, so be it. But if not, it won't be in the world because I really do believe that these next five years of Kaprizov will be his best five years. I'll take that to the bank if someone wants to to really write it down and, and come back to me in 10 years and say, you know, his best season came at, you know, age 32. He pulled some Brad Marchand type of mood or something, but... Um, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't think five years is you know, the most awful thing. So, yeah. um, and, and as then, we, as we alluded to, it gives, you know, it gives them a window and say, Hey, this is, this is, we gotta, we gotta go for these next five years. And I think they have the, they have the rookies in place. I think, you know, the cap will be tight, but you know, Bill Guerin's, you know, he, he says he has a plan. And I think I'm, I'm really excited to see what, uh, what that plan is and see it to kind of come to life, um, over these next couple of years. Right. And, and, and kind of going down a rabbit hole, I can kind of see, you know, 
we got the farm system getting built up and top three by hockey prospecting and, and you see him holding on to these picks and not making rental trades and, and hopefully locking up some of these better younger players like Fiala and Kaprizov and, and Eck and building a good scouting staff and, and front office and just kind of putting it all together, a good culture and, and try and build that, that winner, not just for maybe a couple year, five year window, or whatever, but he wants a sustained long-term team that can continue to compete. So, uh, you know, it's going to take patience and, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of frustrations and a lot of pissed off fans at certain things, but um, he doesn't care. <laughs> he just wants to build that sustained yeah. winner. Absolutely. Think, well, cause I mean, the, the thing you recently seen with their cap relief this year, there's been a lot of people saying, you know, they need to go for it now. Like they have one year to win and then they'll, they can acquire, like I saw one person say, we're going to, let's acquire hurdle and then we'll not resign him or trade him after that for one year. It's like that, like, the, I'm sorry, that makes that, that makes like, it makes no sense. Like, from one point, okay, they're not going to be, this is not going to be like an eight-year build, I don't think, you know, unless no. something goes horribly wrong. Like, that's not the plan here. Like, he would not have a job, Bill Guerin would, if it was, if we're six years down the road and they made no progress. Like, right. they would have started over. And so, yeah, I know people just, you need to, it always just amazes me how people worry so much about something that's three, four, five, six years from now. Like, that's so long. You don't know what's going to happen even, you know, three months from now two months and a couple months into the season and i think my other thing too is you know there's people well you know Kaprizov, he does just want to leave just going back to there uh you know if he has on a five-year contract if they go on a couple deep runs or even somehow win a stanley cup at the time and then he leaves after that you know it would it suck we obviously want him around for as long as we can but you know if, if we win the stanley cup then uh you know then guys can do whatever they want i really you know will not hold it against anybody but i don't know i, I agree with you guys it's the it's not, I don't know, it's it's not a long-term build here, but it's also, you, you just can't, because you saw last time what happened when, you know, they tried to rush it here, and that didn't work out as well as we wanted. Nope. So. No, and, and ZQ alluded to, like, not knowing what can happen in, in, in you know, four or five years, and we talked about this, you know, after the Breezy Suter buyouts, there are four players left on the Wild roster from the end of the 2017 season, which yeah. that was only four years ago. And look, you know, look at the roster overhaul this team's undergone. It's like anything can happen in in four to five years. So be patient, trust the process. Um, you know, the, the the core they have now, you know, the all these you know kind of middling middle six, bottom six guys, they're not all going to be around here for the long haul. Um, it's yeah. it's a, it's patchwork for now, and they're gonna they've got a plan in place. They're gonna they've got really exciting group of young players who I think for once you have reason to be excited and reason to be optimistic that they make it in the NHL. I mean, these guys. You look at it's guys, people that perform at every level. That you know their weaknesses are things that shouldn't hold them back from the NHL. I mean, I know there's been a lot of discussion about well, half the prospects don't make it and yada yada yada. But I think ultimately this is a group you can be excited about. So, yeah, and I think you know people will throw that. You know, look what happened last time too. We relied on all our prospects. It's like, well, yes, it's always possible that things don't plan out the way you do, but you know you have to make a plan. You can't, you know, you you can't flip flop every two months and. I don't know. I, I just, I just think. I know you guys probably agree. I just think that this, the current group of guys they have right now is just the ceiling is just, from what we can tell, is just higher. So. Yep, I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's pretty good for a reaction show. We talked about uh, obligatory Kaprizov. We touched on Fiala. We touched on the prospects. So that's uh, that's the meat and potatoes of what Wild fans want in yeah. the off season. I would say so. 
Um, we do have another show coming up this week. We will be kicking off our Expanding the Wild series, which will uh, highlight voices within the Minnesota Wild and NHL fandom um, that aren't kind of your typical hockey fan. So they might come from you know a different background, a different social status, things of that nature. And we're really excited to have, uh, we have six guests um, tentatively lined up. We have three confirmed and three that we're still working on a final scheduling date. But we have two set up for the next week, uh, two weeks that we're really excited about. So that first one will be on Thursday. Uh, we'll, we'll reveal the, the guests of the episode drop, keep that a little bit on the, uh, on the secret side. But we'll be talking to them about, you know, things that, uh, you know, how, how they became a Wild fan, you know, how they feel represented in the NHL, how the NHL can improve to, to make the, the people that fall within their category and, and, and where they are in society, how they can be more inclusive for those types of people, and just what hockey means to people beyond kind of the typical hockey fan and just really elevating those voices. So really excited about that. Um, but yeah, so uh, guys, before we sign off, any uh, any final thoughts here on this uh, beautiful Tuesday evening? No, not really. Uh, just yeah, I mean, be patient with this Kaprizov. Things can happen. Other than that, uh, looking forward to the the mini series here. Yeah, no, it's uh, just my only thing is you know we only got about a month and just under a week till training camp starts. So really, the actual season is not all that far away yeah we'll pretty much be uh on air every week up until training camp so we'll uh we'll be back here with you just a uh, couple mini breaks here over the summer but uh we never stop so the grind never grind never quits um and we will continue to watch for dates and tickets for uh the prospect camp to see if that uh is open to the public or not uh with the nhl's new policies around COVID and stuff we'll see if that changes but uh, we're still hoping to to get out there and maybe watch that and meet some of you in the process so we'll uh stay tuned to the to here to the twitter uh, for updates on that, we'll keep you posted uh, there. All right, guys. Uh, Zeke, where can everyone uh, find you and your work? Oh, well, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at uh, ZDWildNation underscore HW. And you can also uh, find my written work at HockeyWilderness.com. And Justin? Uh, you can find me at, at DEs2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with the CapriceF Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn. All one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. That will do it for today's show. Kevin Fiala locked in for another year in the, for the Minnesota Wild. Hopefully Kirill Kaprizov on the horizon. We'll be back with you on Thursday with Expanding the Wild. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn.